Heavenly Father, thank you for the old rugged cross. Father, that was our cross that your son took upon himself so that we might go free and we might be given the riches of glory with him and be called the sons of God. Father, we stand in awe of such grace. Thank you, Father, for saving us and setting us apart for your very own. And now, Lord, we do pray, Lord, that uh, you would speak to our hearts once again as we open your word. And, uh, Father, thank you, Lord, that we, we have this privilege to hear from you once again. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> if you would take your Bibles and, and turn to Proverbs chapter 30. Proverbs 30 tonight. And as we go to Proverbs 30, and we're continuing in our series in Proverbs, um, this one topic just jumped out at me. Uh, we've been going topically through, you know, through Proverbs because there's so much to cover. And it's really the only way to be able to, to do Proverbs um, uh, in this manner. But um, if I were to title this message, I would simply say small things. Small things. You know, in, in life, uh, small things... Uh, um, sometimes aren't important. We, we look for the big things, the big, big events, the big changes, the big blessings in our life. And, uh, and we think we have to be bigger and better and uh, to be able to, to be used of God. And uh, we're going to find out uh, some wonderful truths in some small things that the writer of this chapter uh, meditated upon. And uh, this is the words of Agar, Agar, who wrote chapter 30. And throughout his chapter, he, he lists a number of observations, but he comes then to four seemingly insignificant things, small things. And they actually, look at verse, we'll pick it up here at Proverbs 30, verse 24. Verse 24, he writes, four things are small on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. Four things on the earth that are small, but yet he says, in these small things, they, we will see exceeding wisdom. They're exceedingly wise. And he's, ref he's going to be speaking on the animal kingdom, God's animal kingdom, uh, God's creation, that uh, there is, we can see God put wisdom in his creation, in his creatures, beyond you and I as the human race. <clears throat> and some of you may recall these verses, but we want to break this down because I think... Uh, we, we want to uh, get an understanding uh, of how God sees 
little things or things that seem unimportant. For, uh, before we, we look at those, I first want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So if you'd go over there with me, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul speaks to the church here concerning uh, their calling. Their calling. And we'll pick it up at verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Paul writes, For consider your calling, brethren. And that's what I'd like all of us to do tonight. Consider our calling in the Lord Jesus Christ. That there were not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty. Not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And the base things of the world and the despised, God has chosen. The things that are not, that he might nullify the things that are, that no man should boast before God. In verse 30, but by his doing, you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. And here we see Paul is trying to explain to the church Look around you. Look at yourself. Uh, do we have the rich and famous here tonight? Do if you, we, uh, I'm looking out here. I don't see any Hollywood movie stars. Uh, I know you could be some. You know, you would make great ones. But I look around, and I don't know if anybody's in the four, 500s, 500 club, or anything like that. No. You see... God brought the gospel to the poor and the needy, and he knew that the weak of the world, he chose the weak of the world because they weren't putting confidence in them, their own flesh and in themselves, but they, they, they were ready to accept the Lord. And that's what we, uh, we must remember, that God has chosen us, and the world looks at us as, as crazy you know, to, to, us, the cross, to them, the cross is foolishness, and we're foolish. And that's the way the world looks at, at Christians. But we ought to be glad about that, because we are told here that we have been called by him. And we are, by his doing, we are in Christ. So it's nothing that we could have done to obtain this salvation, obtain the position we are in, seated in the heavenlies with Jesus Christ. It's all by his grace and mercy. And so I, I wanted to, so uh, this passage uh, kind of sets up what we're going to look at in Proverbs. Because the insignificant, seemingly, the small things of the, uh, that God has created, most people will go, ah, and, you know, just flick them away. They wouldn't even even think about them and and what they, uh, you know, what God has, how God's using them. But I w- I want you to see that now. So let's go back to what Agar said, wrote here in Proverbs thirty, 
And now we're going to pick it up at verse 25 and begin to look at these four creatures. He says in verse 25, after he's saying, Four things are small on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are not strong folk, but they prepare their food in the summer. Short and simple. He, he picks up, he thinks of an ant. Of all things, he speaks of an ant. And he says, well, they sure aren't strong folk or strong people. You know, uh, there's not a, a, a strong uh, creature. You know, they, they're the ones that you just can trample on. And, and, and you know, the, 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 it's amazing to watch that uh, these, these little bugs, these little, uh, you know, insects called ants and what they can do. I'm sure you've seen... Um, documentaries maybe or in school science you've studied the ant but the word that comes to mind when he mentions the ant here he says the ants are not strong folk but they prepare their food in summer if we were to choose a word for for that wisdom i guess a good one would be preparation. The wisdom of preparation that God instilled in the ant, the wisdom to prepare for the future. Isn't that incredible? To prepare. They gather food in the, in the summer because they know winter's coming. I mean, how does an ant know that? God gave this little thing that wisdom that only God could do. And you know, as we consider preparation in our own lives and how we apply this to ourselves, of course, uh, we can uh, certainly think of the wisdom of preparing for retirement or saving money and, and, and preparing in that way. But I think uh, it's important that we, we can think of uh, preparation for eternity. I think that's the Lord would have us focus upon our preparation daily for eternity. Yes, we're in the family of God. Yes, he has chosen us. Yes, we have all the, we're looking forward to heaven. But yet there's preparation that needs to be done in your life and mine right now, day by day, moment by moment, where I am being conformed to the image of Christ and preparing myself to present myself to the Lord Jesus when he comes, that he might be pleased. You know, Jesus' parables, all through his parables, he, what does he talk about? He talks about those that, that when, when uh, a master came and gave them something, you know, and, and entrusted something to, uh, uh, to them, and then went away, and then would come back and say, what did you do with what I gave you? That's a reminder to us how we need to take what God has given us and pre- continue to prepare our hearts spiritually. And that means by, by laying up treasures in heaven, right? Where moth and rust don't corrupt. And I, this is what I believe he's pointing out 
and that, that we can apply this to. Turn to Proverbs chapter 6. Let's go back to Proverbs 6, verse 6. See another verse. <clears throat> Proverbs 6, verse 6. Once again, the ant is mentioned. This time, <clears throat> this time Solomon is speaking. Proverbs 6, 6. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Observe her ways and be wise. Which, having no chief, officer, or ruler, prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. There it is right there. Solomon explains it too. Basically says, go look at the ant, you lazy people. Those of you who are lazy, you want to see how somebody works and prepares for what's coming? Look at the ant. And yet they don't have any chief, any, any, any ruler over them, but they know what to do. They go and they prepare uh, <clears throat> food for the winter. They gather together in the summer. Here again, Solomon is making it clear that there is wisdom in this little creature called the ant that we can learn from. Preparation. Am I preparing my heart? Do I prepare daily, preparing my heart for eternity when I see, see my Lord Jesus Christ? All the, we, we don't have much time left to do that preparing. But let's go back, if you will, and let's look at the next creature. Chapter 30. First we had the ant. And gives us the wisdom of preparation. Verse 26. Then he goes on. The badgers are not mighty folk. Yet they make their houses in the rocks. The badgers are not mighty folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. Now, if you have a King James Version, it doesn't say badgers in there, does it? No, you have conies. Uh, and uh, other translations have, have interpreted differently and uh, use other words as well. <clears throat> um, but rock badgers, uh, I like the, this term. Uh, I remember... Uh, when I, I made some trips to Israel, and uh, he would take us through the mountain region and there, and our guide would stop, he stopped the bus, and he'd say, look up there uh, into those rocks along the, the side of the mountain there, and we'd stop and look, and he says, look for, look for the little things that are moving up there. And all of a sudden, we saw these things that were about the size of rabbits, just all of a sudden scurrying around a rock, in a rock, then out, and then in, and out. And we're all looking at those things. that I never saw one before, whatever it was. And then he, he went to this uh, passage. He says, those are, bad, are, are rock badgers or conies. Those are the little creatures. And why, why are they put in here? Why would Agar mention them? He says, they're not mighty, but what do they do? They make their houses in 
the rocks. These are they're about the size of rabbits, have small ears and shorter legs, sort of like a guinea pig. They're fast, but they can't maintain their speed. And so they are, they are just perfect prey uh, for, for eagles and, and other predatory animals uh, that, that would come along on the rocks. So what would they do? How do these little things survive? They have the wisdom to use natural fortress that God made. They take refuge in something that they didn't build. That they didn't, they didn't build this great fortress, these rocks. But God gave them wisdom to, and gave them that home and said, you know, and put in them the idea to go in and make a house in the rocks. And once they are in there, they are suddenly, uh, they are in a refuge. That is their refuge. That is their safe haven that protects them from trouble and from the, their enemies. And this is a picture of each one of us. The wisdom of this, the word that we would use is the wisdom of refuge. The wisdom of refuge God is trying to get across to us. And who is our refuge? Is it what I'm going to build? Is my refuge my bank account? Is my refuge uh, my family? Is my refuge uh, all the things I can acquire materially in this life? Or my fame or position in life? No. It's my refuge has to be the rock, the Lord Jesus Christ. That is where we've, we are the refuge. We, we, are, we find our refuge. Turn to Psalm 46.1. Let's go to the Psalms and consider God as our refuge or as our fortress. Psalm 46, <clears throat> verse 1. There it is. <clears throat> I'm sure you all know it by heart. God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble therefore we will what not fear though the earth should change is the earth changing sure looks like it though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam though the mountains quake at its swelling pride there is a river whose streams make glad the city of god the holy dwelling places of the most high God is in her midst. She will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. And then 6 and 7. The nations made an uproar. (laughs) We see the uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts, here it is, is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold the God of Jacob is our stronghold and maybe you right now you have been lately you've been shaken by the circumstances that are happening in the world or in your own personal life 
You see the prices of everything going through the roof, the cost of living and everything else, and maybe it's illness or other things that have, have come into your life, and you got scared. This is the time that the Lord wants us to become a rock badger, to run into his fortress, to run to him. He is our rock and he is our salvation. And you know, we tend to forget that. We tend to try and, and okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to handle this? And we try and figure things out and, and, and bat, fight the battle in our own strength. And all the while the Lord is saying, I'm your refuge. Will you come to me? I will keep you safe. And then he will give us wisdom. He'll keep us safe from the enemies. Turn into Psalm 94, 22. Let's go over to Psalm 94. <clears throat> 94, verse 22. But the Lord has been my stronghold, and my God the rock of my refuge. He is the rock of my refuge. That's what the Lord Jesus is to us. And if, if I can only re- remember that and dwell upon that and know that he is waiting for me to run to him, I will be safe. I need not be alarmed. I need not to live in fear because he's got me in the palm of his hand. He's got control of my situation and my life. We can rest upon that. So let's go back. And now we've we've seen the badger and the wisdom of refuge. But let's go to the next creature. Back in Proverbs 30. Now we come to verse 27. Now he says, The locusts have no king, yet all of them go out in ranks. The locusts have no king, yet all of them, what do they do? They go out in ranks. In other words, they have order and structure. But the word that we want to use here, I believe, best describes this wisdom that, that is being presented to us through the locust is unity. The wisdom of unity. That you and I would strive to, to have unity among the brethren. And that would be, uh, that is where we gain our strength as a church. Is when we are building one another up and we're seeking peace and unity and harmony rather than, than uh, discord and division. The locusts are small creatures about the size of a grasshopper. And by themselves, if you just took one, they're, in, they're insignificant. But when they are gathered together in a swarm, they just astonish scientists. Again, they have no king or no, like a bees have a queen bee. Locusts don't have a queen locust or anything like that. But yet they go out in ranks when it's time to, to fly, to jump and fly. Though they devour all vegetation in their path, it is not their individual power that is so great. But what gives locusts the power? It's that they are unified, that they come together 
as a swarm. And they stay together. They fly together. They move like an army that's unbroken in its ranks. If you study this, this is of the locusts, it's absolutely incredible. They, they, fly, they don't fly far from the ground. And they each keep their appointed place so exactly while in flight that they, they, look, they actually look like tiles or stones that have been skillfully placed on a pavement. That's the way it looks. If you ever look at any video of a swarming locust, there appears to not even be a hair's breadth breath between them in flight. And they're never out of formation. I read this. One swarm was spotted as far as 1,200 miles out to sea, flying northward from West Africa toward the British Isles. Can you imagine that? Out on the sea, and they could see the swarm of locusts 1,200 miles out. Another swarm covered more than 40 square miles of airspace. Try and picture that. 40 square miles of airspace, that's how large these swarms are. And that's why they're so devastating to crops and, 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 and through the years. That's why God used them as a plague, in loca- uh, a plague of locusts in, in Egypt. Because of, uh, of what they can do, the, the damage they can bring. Here's a picture, though. Here is a picture that should be of us, the church, that we need to come together and be unified and have that unity. And the Apostle Paul, we don't have time to turn to the passages, but the Apostle Paul continues to talk about being unified. John, the Apostle John does the same, about the importance of being unified, building one another up. Oh, that that we might have the wisdom of unity continually when we come, we're part of this this local body of believers and we're involved in ministry together. I just thank the Lord. I can't tell you how much every day I thank the Lord for the unity God's given us in our church that I have seen. And it's all by the Spirit of God and by you people who have been walking by the Spirit. And you know, and, and the egos, are, there, there are no egos. There's just care for one another and, and the prayer for one another, as we've heard, as Denny shared. Oh, how wonderful it is. The unity of the brethren. Oh, that we might be wise in that. But let's look at the, the last one. The last one here in verse 28. Then he says, the lizard you may grasp with the hands, yet it is in king's palaces. The lizard you can, you know, which means, in other words, lizard is such a small creature, you can grab it and hold it, and yet it, can make, it, it makes its way, it makes its house in king's palaces. Talk about being brave, even though it could be just, just crushed. By the hand. Now, if you have a King James Version, it's, what's it translated there? Yes. Most of you got spiders, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, spiders. And that's, that's what, 
the New American Standard changed it to lizard as, as a number of others did in, in the way they tried to translate the Hebrew word. Um, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> but I like, I like spider. I like, I, like, I like to go with the spider, even though it says lizard. You can go either way, but, but I like the idea of a spider and what, what uh, um, the King James translated it this way. The spider taketh hold with her hands. You see that? And is in king's palaces. So there, there's, is quite different here. Translation, uh, because it, in the King James, it says, uh, talking about it, it's a spider, tiny spider, but it takes hold of, with her hands, so the spider's hands, or you, you know, the the legs that can crawl up walls, takes hold and and can build webs, and can do it in the king's palace. So so I I, I like I like this picture, I like this picture. So if you see a spider, um, and you've seen them build these massive webs and you just stand there and you go whoa how long did it take them to do that you know in our backyard remember glory huge spider web sometimes back we've seen them and all of a sudden attached to a tree or a bush and it it, it's just remarkable and here agar is saying consider the spider that he can go into a king's palace and make a home. And yet he's so weak, but he has the ability with his own hands, hands to be able to do such a thing. But what is the key to, to the, this, um, this illustration by Agar? I believe it's perseverance. Fearless perseverance. The wisdom of perseverance. Because that's what you see in a spider. It's perseverance. It will, it will continue. It's fearless. It's not afraid of anything. And it continues to, to build its web no matter how long it takes. You know, it's got its physical limitations. But it doesn't matter. That spider will persevere in, in corners and set up its web so it can get its food. Oh, how you and I need that, that perseverance in our life. The wisdom of perseverance that you and I would not give up. How many times have you felt like, like giving up? We've all, we've all, through our life, right? You remember the time Jesus go, what's the use? How can I keep going? But the Lord is saying persevere. And we see throughout the scriptures that we are encouraged to persevere in the faith and keep our eyes fixed on the Lord Jesus Christ the author and finisher of our faith um, turn to Hebrews 12 with me let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 together <clears throat> so look at let's look at verse 1 writer of Hebrews puts it this way. Therefore, 
Since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance or weight and the sin which so easily entangles us, just like a web. And let us run with endurance, that's perseverance, run with endurance the race that is set before you. In other words, he's saying, Christian, don't give up. Keep persevering. Keep pressing on because you're headed to the celestial city. That's where we're going. It's being prepared for us. And this, this world's only temporary and all its suffering and all the pain and struggles, but we've got something waiting for us far beyond our minds could ever imagine. So we must persevere. And then he goes on, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and fit perfecter or finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, what did he do? Endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice in there, we kind of miss it, who for the joy set before him. We don't think about it, but there was actually joy set before Jesus as he was going to the cross. That he was going to endure that cross, but there was a joy about what was to come. He had the joy because he knew what was going to come one day. And that is where, what we have to do. We have to say, Lord, give me the joy in the midst of the suffering and the persevering. And we press on. So here is a reminder of that pressing on. <clears throat> There is a cave known as the King's Cave. Uh, It's a natural cave formed out of natural sandstone on Aaron's west coast. It's been claimed that Robert Bruce, the great king of Scotland, hid in this cave. He was dejected and ready to give up after his disastrous first year as king after losing six battles to the British, he figured, that I'm not going to, I, I can't win this. I can't win this. And maybe that's where you're feeling right now. You just had a place, uh, Lord, I can't win this. While waiting out the winter of 1306, he watched a spider on the cave wall try again and again to spin its web. Every time the spider fell, but then it rose up again and began to work on that web again. Then it would fall and then climb back up and continue on. And Robert Bruce, by watching that spider, took inspiration in his own heart as he said, look what that spider's doing looks like he's losing, you know, every time he falls, but he keeps getting up. That inspired him to a resolve that he went out and continued his campaign against the English. And it ended with the Scots' victory in Bannockburn. And there, that's the rest of the story so to speak. 
the spider. Perseverance. As we close here tonight, all I can say, I know what I need to do. Fix my eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of my faith, and endure the race with his strength, with his help. I can't do it on my own, but with his help. And I'll cross that finish line. You'll cross that finish line. And you know what you'll hear him say? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into my kingdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for giving us these truths tonight. That we might understand, Lord, that you have chosen the weak things of the world like ourselves to make the wise of the world foolish. And Father, may we understand what you, from your, your animal kingdom, Lord, that you have given great wisdom to the small things. And Father, may we understand that you will give us wisdom if we seek it. You will give it liberally if we ask for it. Help us to be wise in our walk, Father, until we see you face to face. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.